Hey, what's going on, everybody? What's going on? I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to drvoicetv.com, the home for intelligent black people. Come on in. If you haven't come on in yet, uh, just pop on in because we have a good conversation for today. Uh, there's an NBA star by the name of Ja Morant. Ja is uh, super talented. Uh, ja is, uh, he's a beast on the basketball court. Uh, but apparently he's making some decisions that are just really perplexing, uh, that are confusing a lot of people. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump in. I'm going to pull out my finance PhD and explain to you why Ja isn't just giving up a couple of dollars. Ja isn't just losing a couple of opportunities. Ja actually is losing a billion dollars if he uh, continues down this path that he's on right now. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to literally show you mathematically how Ja Morant is giving up a billion dollars by wanting to be a thug. I don't I don't understand it. It's kind of crazy, but I'm going to explain some of that to you. And also we're going to talk a little about that culture, the culture that ends up stealing wealth from black people. So we're going to talk about how John Morant is fumbling the billion dollar bag. So get comfortable, buckle up your seatbelt, hit the thumbs up button. We're going to get started on drboystv.com in three, two, one, and go. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is blissful, we can turn it to intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Hey, what's going on? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to drboystv.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and uh, uh, today we have a really good conversation. We're going to actually talk a little bit about uh, this NBA star that keeps doing stuff that just doesn't make any sense to me. His name is Ja Morant. And in case you haven't seen Ja, he's super talented. He actually came out of the state of Kentucky, where I'm from, uh, Murray State, which is a school that never produces great basketball players, like ever. Like, like Murray State's kind of the joke in the, in the, in the state of Kentucky in terms of of uh, compared to Louisville and Kentucky, the big basketball programs. Not that they're a joke. They just don't produce John Morant's ever. And so anyway, John Morant is this dude. Give me a yes if you have been following Ja and been kind of looking at the situation with John Morant and sort of seeing uh, what happened with John Morant. Uh, John Morant was recently suspended uh, by the NBA uh, for, you know, for, for another incident involving a gun, like he's flashing a gun on social media, flexing for the gram, showing off of, for his friends. And, uh, and let me just tell you, man, I, I, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to diss the brother. I mean, I'm not here to do that. Um, I'm just really here to kind of break some of this down for you and kind of let you understand, uh, some of the stuff that we talk about on this platform. Uh, one of the things that we talk about consistently that th we talk about consistently uh, it, 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 and I write about it actually in my new book. My book is called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. If you haven't got a copy, it's an Amazon bestseller. Feel free to grab a copy. I talk consistently about how wealth is related to culture. Wealth is related to culture. And the thing about culture is that there is uh, there are cultures that have a mindset uh, like basketball. When you're when you are when Ja is on the basketball court. Ja is the point guard or or in the shooting guard. Sometimes he's that good. He can play all the positions. He's such a great player. So if Ja brings the ball up the court, what is it? Is his job to give the ball away or is it to protect the ball? What do y'all think? If he if he if he's bringing the ball up the court, 
Uh, does he get paid all that money because he gives the ball away or he passes it to the opposition or he just uh, he, he pushed those the ball out of bounds uh, or, or do they reward him? Do they pay him three million dollars a month, three million dollars a month? for uh, protecting the ball. What do y'all think? Do y'all think that the Memphis Grizzlies enjoy when Ja gives the ball away, or do you think that they reward him for protecting the ball? I ask y'all that question because the same thing is true with wealth. The same way Ja has to have a certain mindset to protect the ball, in wealth building, you have to have a certain mindset to protect the bag. See, there is a mindset. There are cultural mindsets that uh, in which protecting the bag becomes paramount to the family. They understand what's at stake. See, see, with, there are mindsets in wealth that say, boy, you get this opportunity, you protect this opportunity. Boy, when you get this, when you get a, a, a chance to make a nickel, you turn that nickel into a dollar. And if you turn that, then you take that dollar, you turn it into two dollars. I mean, there are people, some of you, that have tiny bags that are protecting the bag and growing the bag and going to be extremely wealthy at some point. Why? Well, because you have the mindset that Ja has on the basketball court where you, just the same way he protects the ball. You're protecting your bag and you're growing your bag. You're not just uh, keeping yourself from losing opportunities. You are growing opportunities. You are creating opportunities. Well, you know, um, we always say here that the word poor stands for passing over opportunities repeatedly. Passing over opportunities repeatedly. So just like a losing basketball team that always finds a way to lose, Chicago Bears, or always finds a way to blow it in the playoffs, Dallas Cowboys, or always find some way to uh, to find their way to the bottom of the barrel. John Morant is basically doing the same thing right now. John Morant, uh, he's a young guy. I think he's maybe 23, 24 years old. Let me let me Google it because I don't want to say it wrong. How old is John Morant? John Morant is 23 years old. 23 years old. That is crazy, that bro, that you are 23 years old and you are making $3 million a month. And that's just from, your one, from one of your jobs. I ain't talking about the money you're getting paid from Nike. I'm not talking about the money you could be getting paid from other endorsement deals all around. I'm not talking about the fact that you could actually triple your income, I'm sure, with all the endorsement opportunities that come with being a top-notch NBA player. When white people are willing to pay money to watch you dribble a damn basketball, that's an opportunity of a lifetime. That's an opportunity most of us never get. I never got that opportunity. I'm too short and I'm too pro-black, so white folks don't mess with me. So I ain't never had that chance to make $3 million a month dribbling a basketball or entertaining white folks. No, but I actually really want to do that. But at the end of the day, what I'm really saying here is that this is a masterclass that you're watching. You're watching a masterclass on money mindset. You're literally in real time right now by watching John Morant and his behavior. You're watching a masterclass on how people go from poor to wealthy and how people go from wealthy to poor. And, and, and let me just say this too. John Morant, is not the reason I'm doing this video. I'm not doing this video for Ja. Look, Ja, Ja, if you see this video and you want to know what I what I think and you want to talk to me directly, bro, you can call me. We're both from Kentucky, man. Give me a call. I'll be happy to tell you what I think. But but the only condition is that you don't waste my time. You cannot waste my time. If you call me and you want my two cents, you need to listen. If you're not ready to listen, then I don't want to talk to you because it's a waste of time. Kanye West called me. He wasn't a li he's not a good listener. I don't talk to Kanye West anymore. I don't want to talk to Kanye because Kanye already has all the answers. Why in the hell would you call me if you already have all the answers? So, so, so here's the thing. When black men, this is what y'all got to be thoughtful about. 
when when some of these brothers get out here in this world and they get sucked into the NBA or sucked into hip hop and they start making all these insane amounts of money that the masses of black people will never get a chance to see. Your whole hood falling apart. Your whole community needs wealth. Every black person out here is trying to figure out how to find a way to make a way. But the white man don't like you because you can't play basketball. The white man doesn't bring you in because you actually do engineering and you don't sing and dance and tell jokes. Right. They don't get they don't have a place for you. So so you're. Your whole hood needs the the billions in wealth that you're generating, but yet you throw it all away because you want to be a thug, even though you grew up in the suburbs, man. That's called bad culture, black people. That is bad culture. That is the hip hop music industry. That is what the industry did to your sons and daughters. Uh, that is um, peer pressure from a guy who apparently isn't confident enough in who he is that he's got to go ahead and copy people that are on their way to prison or the morgue. That, that is bad culture people that, and, and, and I know y'all want to sit here and say that it's everything's about racism, right? Well, the reason we ain't got no color. Sometimes racism's real, but I don't see racism anywhere in this, in terms of his personal choices. I just don't see that. White people treat you well when you can dribble a basketball and you can dunk that motherfucker. Excuse my French. I'm not going to cuss anymore. I promise. If you can dunk a basketball and you, or you can tell a good joke or you can bust a rap, white people will pay insane amounts of money to see you. I took We took our, our, our middle child to see the Bryson Tiller concert and Bryson, another guy from Louisville. Shout out to Louisville. I'm from Kentucky. I love my city, so I got to shout him out when I can. Bryson Tiller comes to Chicago. There's a line out the door, down the street, around the corner, and up the block. All these people coming to see Bryson Tiller. And I was driving through this line, and you know me, I'm always looking for the black person, the black people. And I'm like, how many of the people in this line are black versus white? Oh, I saw a whole lot more white people than black. I saw a ton. I saw so many white people. It was like maybe about three or four to one. And I said, wow, good for you, Bryson. Good for you. I hope he doesn't blow the bag. I hope he's smart. I hope he understands that this white privilege that you're getting, this white privilege where white folks are going to pay you money to, to show your gift. I hope that you make that work for you because, you know, because the reality is that if you were an engineer, they wouldn't be paying you for your gift. They go hire and they hire their engineers from India. Uh, if you were a, a, a scientist, they're, they're not going to pay you for your gift. No, they, they'd rather have their scientists be white. Uh, if you were a university professor, they probably wouldn't want to pay you for your gift because because if you go to most major universities where the basketball team is 100 percent black, most of their professors are white, most especially in the sciences. So if you're a biology professor, you're not going to get seen. You're going to get ignored. But if you're six foot ten and you can dunk a basketball, then shit, they're going to pay you all day. So John Morant is a beneficiary of tremendous white privilege. John Morant is a young guy who has been given opportunities that most of y'all can only dream of. But yet you're watching in real time as John Morant is literally not just fumbling his bag. It'd be one thing if he's giving away his money. That's one thing. But no, he's giving away his uh, children's money, his grandchildren's money, his great grandchildren's money, his great great grandchildren's money his great-great-great-grandchildren's money, and his great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren's money. That's, he's giving away money for about a 1,000 people that could that were going to benefit from the generational wealth that could be created when you're making that much money at the age of 23. You don't believe me? Let me explain it to you. Before I do that, do me a favor. Please hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. I want to remind everybody we're doing a Black Wealth Summit and training camp 
in Dallas on May 19th. We're going to be in Dallas May 19th. So if you want to join us, uh, come on down. There are other black wealth builders that are there. You can form businesses. You can start investment clubs. You can network, whatever you want to do, and you're going to learn. So if you'd like to join us, just go to voicewalkins.com. The information's right there. Also on voicewalkins.com, there's a training on how to make money without working. A lot of people think that you have to work for money. That's just not true. All right. So anyway, so let me, let's, let's jump back into John. Let me explain why I said billion dollar bag. See, here's the thing. Let me let me tell you about John Moran's contract. Let's 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 just look. Let's go ahead and do some a little bit a, a, a tiny amount of pocket watching right quick. And I want us to just look and see how much money this 23 year old man. How, first of all, how many of y'all were broke at 23? Anybody else was broke at 23? How many people when, when you were 23 like literally could barely pay the rent? Uh, anybody go? Anybody else go through that? I, I was in Kentucky at 23 years old. And uh, I remember having to leave my apartment in the middle of the night because I could not find uh, the way to uh, any way to pay the rent. I had nobody saving me. I had nobody in my life that could loan me five hundred dollars. I didn't. I didn't have. Any, I was broke as hell at twenty three. I, I did. I started making. By the time I was thirty three, I was making money. I was making six figures at thirty three because I had a PhD. But before, but at twenty three, I was broke. I was a grad student. Anybody else broke at twenty? Yeah. So most of us were broke at twenty three. Let me show you why John Morant is the exact opposite of what you were when you were twenty three. So if you look up John Morant's contract, let me just let, let's talk about it. And I'm like, I'm a, this is where I'm put on my finance professor hat and show you just how much money is at stake if John Morant does not have an intervention at some point. It says here that John Morant signed a five year, one hundred ninety four million three hundred thousand dollar contract. That one hundred ninety four million, one hundred and ninety four million dollar contract with the Memphis Grizzlies, including guess how much of that one hundred and ninety four million dollars is guaranteed? Guess. Can anybody guess? Guess how much of his one hundred ninety four million dollars is guaranteed? Can anybody guess? Come on, somebody guess. One hundred and ninety four million is guaranteed out of the one hundred ninety four million. All every penny of his contract, every single nickel of his contract is in his pocket, even if he never plays basketball again. Are you talking about a sweetheart deal? I mean, my Lord Jesus, he's going to make $38,860,000 this year or $860,000. Good thing they didn't make his contract dependent upon beating the Lakers because y'all saw King James turn that one guy into a little boy (laughs) for talking smack. LeBron showed him. He said, son, you don't know nothing about winning championships. Anyway, uh, so so Morant will earn a base salary of $33,500,000 and uh, blah, 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 blah. So so here's the deal. So John Morant is getting uh, $39 million a year every year for five straight years with no contingencies on that salary. Now, one thing you got to also understand, though, is that there are massive economic benefits that come from performing your gift on television. He's got a global audience. The NBA is worldwide now. When I taught finance in China, every single boy watched the NBA. I would go into the cafeteria at lunchtime and they were all watching the NBA finals in China. So so, so the NBA ain't just domestic. The NBA is global. That's why you got some of your best players coming from Europe. You got some great players coming from Asia. The NBA is a global entity, and you are one of the leading stars of a massive multi-billion dollar global entity. So, so there's a lot of economic opportunities that come from that. Um, you know, the, and, and, and you know, in fact, um, Larry Miller 
who uh, ran the Michael Jordan brand. He ran the Air Jordan brand. He and Michael, real close, of course, Michael picked him to run his brand. He turned Michael's brand from making, I guess, a, a half a billion a year to like three or four billion a year, some crazy amount of money they're making. Larry's a smart guy and he's a real brother and he's a very intelligent black man. That's why I like him. And I invited him. He came to the All Black National Convention last year, which I hope you guys will come to this year. We're gonna, it's going to be in October. Uh, just go to my website, voicewalkings.com, if you'd like to learn more about it. Anyway, um, there's a lot of money that's being made. Even Michael Jordan is making more money now than he made when he played basketball. Why? Well, because Michael Jordan, for all of his flaws that you might see, he has an excellent mindset when it comes to protecting the ball, a.k.a. protecting the bag. Michael Jordan always protected the ball when he was on the court, and Michael Jordan protected the ball when he was off the court. If you go back and you look at Michael Jordan's career carefully, you'll notice that when Michael was 23, if you watched his documentary, he talked about how uh, in the NBA, he came in as a young guy. He's scoring all the points. When you're scoring all the points in a city like Chicago, there are plenty of people that want to hang out with you. There are plenty of nightclubs that would love to pay you money to show up. There are plenty of women who would love to be your woman, even if it's for one night. There are plenty of dudes that want to kick it with you. There was plenty of drug use all around him in the 80s, just like there is right now. Everybody was getting high back then. A lot of people getting high right now. All of that. And let me tell you, Michael Jordan's mindset was, I'm going to protect the bag. I've got this golden opportunity to create a legacy of massive generational wealth for my family. And I'm not going to blow that for nobody. So when Michael, uh, when they would want to have business meetings with Michael, Michael would say, I'll be at the basketball court because I'm protecting the ball and protecting the bag. Uh, when they would say, Michael, come to the club, dog. Come on, man. Come on out to the club with us, man. There's a lot of honeys out there. He said, okay, you know, I might come, but, I'm at, but I, until that time, I'm going to be at the basketball court because I'm protecting the bag. Uh, when they when when people would try to get him involved in stuff, come on, man, you know, because you know Chicago had the dope dealers with the eighty pound gold chains and all. Wanted, everybody want to hang out with Michael Jordan. Everybody, Michael Jordan was the epitome of, of 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 black power in Chicago. He was the man winning championships. So everybody wanted to hang out with Michael. Michael didn't do that. Michael said, "No, I'm protecting the ball and I'm going to protect the bag." That's the mindset that led him to be worth, what, probably $5 billion right now. Michael Jordan is making more money right now than he did when he played basketball. He's almost 60 years old, if he's not 60 already. And he's making more money now than he made when he was young. And, and I remember his Air Jordans were selling like crazy in 1985. They just made a movie about how his Jordans were selling insanely high in the 80s. So, so that's a wealth mindset. That comes from Michael having a father who was smart enough to say, son, boy, don't don't you blow this opportunity. He had a mother that was smart enough to say, come on, son, we got to make good choices. Uh, you know, he had people around him that taught him how to take this enormous amount of power, this enormous amount of temptation, this enormous amount of opportunity and turn that into something that was real and significant and lasting. Unfortunately, I don't think anybody ever explained that to John Morant, or if they did, I'm, but you know what? Somebody probably did, and he probably did not listen. Well, why is that? Well, because sometimes when we're out here and we're, you know, we're, we're getting paid all this money by white people to do to, to entertain them, uh, we start to think that we don't need to listen to black people anymore. 
You know, this is one of the reasons why I don't enjoy it when when celebrities call me sometimes. I got to vet them out because some of them I'm like, okay, are you really calling me because you respect my perspective as a black man and as a scholar? Or are you just calling me because you think you know all the answers because white people give you more money than they'll ever give somebody like me? I don't give a shit how much money white people are paying you. They, They could be paying you to be a damn clown. There are so many black people in this country who get paid enormous amounts of money to embarrass the black community. There are so many black people who get paid all kinds of money to engage in debauchery that's going to put them in prison like R. Kelly. There are so many people out here getting paid all kinds of money that that, that, that will turn them into drug addicts like DMX was before he passed. Rest in peace. And, and what some of these individuals need is not more people blowing smoke up their butt, uh, leading them down the path of, of destruction. They need people that actually are rooted in and deeply caring about them as a black man. You know, you get you get to the NBA or the NFL, suddenly you're surrounded by Beckys and Jewish agents and attorneys. All these people who didn't want nothing to do with your black ass when you were sitting back in the hood. They didn't even want to be around you. They would clutch their purses when you came across the street. Didn't want to even have a conversation with you. Wouldn't want you marrying their daughter in a million years. Then suddenly... All these people are like, oh, yeah, we love you, buddy. Great game, buddy. And then Becky's like trying to marry you. And these guys run off and they marry these, these women that, that that ain't never, ever been nowhere near the black community. And it's really weird to me. And what it is, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me, it's, it's, a, it's a trap. It's, it's a trap. It reminds me of when Malcolm X once said that the white man will sell you the liquor bottle and then lock you up for being drunk. It's like they'll lure you into this sense of false confidence, this this false sense of security. Like, well, you know, I'm the man. I'm not black. I'm OJ. Y'all remember that? I'm not black. I'm OJ. Right. Well, you think that the rules don't apply to you anymore. So next thing you know, you're getting involved in a little bit of this and a little bit of that. In these little situations that you think are going to be fine because your your movie made one hundred million dollars last last month. Jonathan Majors, Jonathan Majors. And then at some point, they give you that wake-up call. At some point, they remind you, oh, no, E-40 had a song a long time ago. Uh, I'm not going to use the N-word today, so I'm going to say Jigga. Uh, and the song title was uh, They'll Find a New Jigga Next Year. E-40 said that. He had a song about that, and he rapped about, uh, basically, you come along, you think you're the man, you think you're so important, you think you can't be replaced. Oh, they got about a 1,000 right behind you. I, I was down, that was in downtown Chicago today, and the NBA Combine is down there, and they had about, like, like, Seven or eight hundred six foot five, six foot nine behemoth tall men that are all trying to get like 20 jobs or something, right? So they, they'll, they'll replace you, John. They don't think that you can't be replaced, brother. And, and don't think that you are so good that the NBA is ever going to allow you to undermine this hundred billion dollar thing they got going on with the world. They got, they got real money out. They got real branding out here and they don't get, they don't really care a whole lot about the fact that you got a 43 inch vertical. They don't, they, it's nice. It's great. It's cool. But I mean, you couldn't even beat the Lakers. <laughs> the Lakers are, are, you know, are, are in the playoffs. You're not. So you disappearing from the NBA isn't going to exactly disrupt the Richter scale. And I don't know if he understands that at the age of 23, I, I wish I was his daddy so I could slap him and tell him that, right? But it's his job, daddy's job to slap him, but maybe he won't let himself be slapped by his daddy because he probably feels like I'm 23, I'm grown, they gave me all this money, I could do whatever the hell I want to do. And, th- and those are the stories of men and women who end up at the age of 50 
giving speeches everywhere to young people like, man, don't do what I did. Like that's what Antoine Walker, Antoine Walker, another guy blew the bag. Antoine Walker made a hundred million dollars uh, again, because I guess he thought he was going to make money forever. Now, Antoine Walker is uh, uh, probably about 49, 50 years old. Uh, very big. He's gained a lot of, I saw him on an airplane. He was eating a cheeseburger and he looked like he probably shouldn't be eating cheeseburgers. So he's kind of get kind of putting on that weight. And he goes and gives speeches to players and young guys about how he wasted a hundred million dollars. And what I'm saying is that at what point are we going to analyze the culture that causes us to blow the bag? And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Ja. As I mentioned earlier, if Ja ever called me, I would talk to him. But I would only talk to him if he wanted to listen. Um, I don't talk. I don't like talking to people who think that you know everything because white people gave you some money. I understand that formula. Just go act. Just go dribble a basketball or be a coon, and they'll pay you. They'll pay you all day. They they love that, right? So I, so I'm not impressed by uh, all that money that they might pay you. That doesn't make you smarter than the people in the community who have been trying to figure out how to make a dollar out of 15 cents for, for several hundred years. That doesn't make you smarter than your grandfather who has seen what real racism looks like and what a real lack of opportunity looks like. That does not make you smarter than your, your mama who, who really understands what it's like to really struggle. And so, so, so sometimes we think we're smarter than we actually are. Sometimes we think sometimes money can make us uh, it's more ignorant when we think we're actually smarter. It can stuff our ears where we can't actually hear good advice when people give it to us. Because there is there, because when I see Jai's behavior and I see what Jai is giving away, it blows my mind. And in fact, uh, I'm, I have another thought on that. But it, before I do that, could you please take one second, hit that thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. You're watching DrBoysTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and we are also on Spotify. So if you ever get on Spotify and you just look up Boyce Watkins, just open up your phone, look up, it's go on Spotify, look up my name. You'll find the Dr. Boyce Breakdown, and uh, that's where the audio version of this podcast appears. Also, uh, I'll be in Dallas this week, May 19th, for a two-day Black Wealth Summit and Training Camp. So if you want to get around other people that are like-minded that you can build with, uh, then please join us because uh, there was a, there was a little a little short clip I did for you guys where I explained uh, a, a saying that I heard where they said that um, that when the clown comes to the palace, the clown never becomes the king. Instead, the palace turns into a circus. And so you never let the clown into your kingdom because the clown will turn the kingdom into a circus and destroy everything that you've ever built. And so part of the reason that we gather together, part of the reason we're going to do stuff like we're doing in Dallas is because some of you are surrounded by clowns. Some of you are trying to be kings and your your, your homies are clowns. Your, your Maybe your woman's a clown. Maybe your man is a clown. Maybe the people, your, your relatives are clowns. And they, maybe whatever it is, right? And, uh, and what happens is that as you're building... The clowns come along. Hey, can I borrow some money? Or the, the clowns come along and disrupt and distract you from what you're trying to do, picking fights with you, you know, saying negative, nasty things, disrupting your progress. And what I'm saying is that I think you need to really think carefully about building a strong kingdom. Because here's the thing with John Moran, uh, I don't know who these guys are that are around him. I don't know. I'm not going to judge. But what I am going to say is that I don't really understand how they can really care about you. If they, if I don't, I don't understand how they can care about you if they're encouraging you to do the things that you're doing. Again, every man has to take responsibility for his own decisions, but we'd be lying if we didn't say peer pressure doesn't have an impact, especially when you're 23 years old. I'm trying to figure out who are you trying to impress? What friends do you have in your circle that are going to say to you, Hey man, look, 
this is what I do. Look, I'm I'm a thug. I'm a street dude. I, I do whatever I do. But you don't do that, right? Even even and many of you have seen this. You've seen I have so many uncles and cousins that that literally trained me by saying, "Man, don't do what I do." Literally got the weed in one hand, the liquor bottle in the other, and say, "Hey, man, man, you you, you keep on going to school. You keep on doing that." Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody got that? Anybody got that that uncle in your family? You know, that's like where his whole life ain't nothing but a mess. Every decision has been absolutely tragic. Uh, his whole situation is just embarrassingly bad. But he's the one that told you that you need to get back on the bus and go back to Harvard or go back to finish college, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And uncles like that are the best in the world. I was my father was a little bit like that. My father made some tough choices. My father's killed people. My, my not my biological father. He he was in prison for drugs, but he wasn't a wise man in my opinion. My father that raised me was a guy who made a lot of bad choices. But he would never want me to repeat the lifestyle that he had, you know, before he chose to make his life better. So, so I'm just so I, so I really try to figure out. It, look, if you're trying to build something that's lasting and meaningful, why not have other kings in your circle? You know, LeBron James is a great example. They got beat. They got the ass beat in the playoffs by LeBron. Well, you get you might be getting your ass beat by LeBron in life because let me tell you, LeBron. I don't know anything about his circle exactly, but let me tell you, when I see LeBron standing next to that beautiful wife, I think her name's Savannah, that he's been with since high school, I say, okay, he's King James. He's got, in his court, he's got Queen James, queen or his queen, right, who's been standing by his side for 20-something years. He ain't, he ain't chasing hoes. He ain't out here meeting a new girl every week. He's got his wife in his side, and then he's got fellow kings. He's got the other guy, Rich Paul who is uh, one of the most powerful sports agents in the world, who started at the bottom with LeBron, and now he's literally one of the most impactful, one of the most powerful people on the planet. God bless him. That's what kings do when they're protecting their court. They don't let clowns in their circle. They keep other kings and queens in their circle that are going to respect and protect the billion-dollar empire that they're building. That's why LeBron, I think he's already a billionaire. If he's not a billionaire already, it's, it's going to happen real soon. So, so ultimately, uh, when I when I look at Ja, let me tell y'all something. When I said billion dollar bag, some of y'all may have gotten confused. You may think, wait a minute, he makes thirty three million a year. That's not a billion dollars. Well, let me introduce you to this concept called compound interest. Do you know that if I imagine if Ja took uh, just six million dollars a year? Now, let's say let's say Ja threw away, like so he makes thirty eight million a year from the Grizzlies. He probably makes he could easily make another twenty million from other sources, endorsements or whatever, because Kevin, Kevin, uh, what's his face, Durant and these other guys are signing these hundred multi, you know, these multi, these deals in the hundreds of millions of dollars with Nike or whatever, these lifetime deals or whatever. So so let's say he's making sixty million a year total by simply just being a good NBA citizen, uh, not giving away the ball, you know, with maybe winning championships. And let's say that he only saves a tiny amount of that. Let's say he he throws away 90% of his money. Let's say that he, he literally takes that money and flushes it down the toilet, 90% of it. But he takes that little tiny 10%, $6 million a year, and he invests that $6 million a year in the S&P 500 every year from the age of 23 until he's in, you know, in his 60s and 70s. Do you know that if you put that into a calculator, they call it the future value of an annuity calculator. It's something that we talk about when we do Stock Market Tuesdays in, in the Black Business School. Uh, if you put that in the future value of an annuity calculator, 
John Morant would literally, he wouldn't just have $1 billion by the time he was 65 or 70. He would have several billion. In fact, the number was so big, I double checked it. I couldn't believe it. It was like, it was, I want to say it was at least 12, 13, $14 billion. So this man is throwing away multiple billions of dollars. LeBron is worth a billion dollars. But remember, LeBron's about 38 years old. By the time LeBron is 78 years old, LeBron on the trajectory that he's on right now, is going to be worth about 10 to $15 billion by the time he's done. So, And he won't have the opportunities in basketball that John Morant will have. When LeBron came into the NBA, he wasn't making $38 million a year at the age of 23. LeBron was making maybe $5, 6000000 million a year, whatever the minimums were. He was making a much lower amount of money at that time So, because things have changed. So ultimately, Ja is in an industry that at some point in the near future, in the next, within this decade, some NBA star is going to sign a billion-dollar contract. There's going to be somebody that's going to sign a billion-dollar deal. Maybe it might take 10, 15 years. I don't know. But somebody's going to sign a billion-dollar contract within John Morant's playing career, assuming that he was able to actually stay in the NBA that long. I don't think he is. I really think that this behavior, this gun-toting stuff, uh, let me tell you what I think some of it's connected to. I believe that some of it's probably connected. I, I, how about this? I'm not going to speculate on this directly. I'm going to say it wouldn't surprise me if somebody uh, was smoking or drinking at the time these videos were done. Uh, one of the things I've seen in terms of wealth loss, fumble in the bag, is a situation where you have somebody that's got a lot at stake who gets a little high, gets a little drunk, and even older guys do it. Paul Pierce did it. Paul Pierce, you might know Paul Pierce. He got on MB, he got on Instagram Live and said some dumb shit while he was higher drunk. Uh, Dr. Dre even did it with Tyrese. Tyrese went, y'all remember that? Y'all, y'all know, some of y'all may not remember this. Tyrese gets on, they, they're all sitting in the studio drinking and smoking. They get on Instagram Live because your feet, your ego's fed because you got millions of followers, right? Because white people have been paying you money for 20 years. So you get on Instagram Live and he starts talking and they start bragging. Anybody remember that video where they started bragging about Dre being the first hip hop billionaire and all that? Well, they don't. you don't understand. That was a violation of their agreement with Apple. I don't remember exactly how much money was lost. I got to go look it up. But they lost a shit ton of money. That, that little stupid Instagram Live flexing for the gram and you 50 flexing for the gram like that stupid move cost him his family hundreds of millions of dollars apple was like no you're not a king you're a clown you're behaving like clowns right now we don't do business we don't pay clowns we pay kings we, we pay people that have discipline we pay people that are able to be strategic uh we want to share our wealth we want to partner with people that are not going to go do dumb shit because they're trying to show off for people that don't even matter. You see, the thing about it is that you got to understand, I think that as black men in particular, and women too, women are part of this as well, because y'all raising sons and everything else, you got brothers and all that. You got to understand how hip hop has made the black, some black men into little babies, like, like literally made them very immature or made them almost like infants in terms of their uh, maturity level and decision-making level. You know, when you are 45, 50 years old, you're still flexing for the ground. You're still trying to sag. You're still trying to be the cool guy. That's just not going to fit into the world of where grown-ass men do business. You know, you, you, seriously, I, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm really wanna, I really want to say this accurately so you'll understand this. Because again, in my book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power, I talk extensively about how 
uh, when you're building family wealth, you have to have a culture that will grow the bag and protect the bag. If you do not have that culture, you will never have any wealth. Wealth is deeply connected to culture. So a lot of what hip hop did to you, because I guarantee you that when Ja was holding up a gun, there was some hip hop music being played in the background. Go, go check the damn video. I bet you in that video, they were playing some rap music. You, you are a damn fool if you think this music has not affected the mindset of a lot of black men in this country. You really think that music, the number one thing that affects your subconscious mind more than anything else, well, they rapping about killing and hoes and wasting money and thugging and holding your nuts and, and it, it's wasting your money on dumb shit. Like you really, are you really, are you really going to look at me with a straight face and tell me that that does not affect black male culture? Are you out of your mind? And if you think that it doesn't, then please drop your phone right now and leave. Just get out. Just go. Just go. Because this is not a conversation we need to be having right now. There's no reason on this earth you should be listening to an idiot like me who's going to sit here and tell you that music affects culture in some meaningful way. You need to just go. Because I'm going to stick to this. And let me explain why I'm sticking to this. I happen to be married to a very smart black woman who happens to be an expert on the subconscious mind. And one of the things that programs your subconscious mind the most is repetition. One of the places where you're going to hear the most repetition is in your music. Because if you listen to the music, the music ain't nothing but a nursery rhyme for grown-ups. Y'all going to make me lose my mind up in here, up in here. Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb. They repeat these things because that's how you, that's how people learn. There are people who use it for good and there are people who use it for bad. Gracie's Corner is extraordinarily good at getting kids to learn the ABCs. Anybody know about that? You might have seen Gracie's Corner. Ah, 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 ah. B for ball, b-b-b-ball. B-b-ball, b-b-ball, right? Your kids going to know the ABCs like crazy after that. But then on the darker side, you're also learning some things that are going to put you, that are going to leave you dead or in prison. Um, kill that hoe, slap that bitch, <laughs> right? Rob that new, right? Like, 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 like when they're repeating that and you're, and you're 12 years old and you're repeating this stuff over and over and over again, this idea that you can put something in your brain on instant, on constant repeat, and it's a formula, a recipe for self-destruction, and you absolutely think it has no impact on the way young people think, you clearly haven't taken a psychology class, my brother. <laughs> you need to go and really sit down with some of the subconscious mind experts who will explain to you very clearly that you cannot put toxic messages in your brain on a consistent basis and think that you're going to come out a healthy person. You're going to come out every bit as toxic as whatever you're putting inside your mind. So, so stop saying that it's just entertainment. When the Jewish community built Hollywood, they understood that hip hop, or excuse me, they understood that, that there's no such thing as just entertainment. They saw Adolf Hitler use entertainment as a pathway to literally get people to want to kill them. So, so you can't tell me that what they did to hip hop when they changed hip hop and they made it self-destructive, they, they changed it from being educational to being ignorant. They changed it from being productive to being counterproductive. They changed it from being uplifting to being uh, degrading. You can't tell me that that has not had an impact on the thinking of some of our people. The rapper D1, that's my homeboy, that's my buddy. He's up there at Harvard right now. I love D to the end of the earth. D1 said he was a school teacher and he noticed 
how the minds of the children were so heavily influenced by rap music. He also tells a story where he says, you know, when my home, when my friend got shot, when he got murdered, I bet you that they weren't playing country music in the car when they were going over to kill my friend. And so, so culture is everything, man. Culture is everything. Culture teaches you what's cool and what's not cool. When NASA went to uh, the moon, allegedly, right? Some people believe that they didn't. I don't know. It's it, I, I'm kind of confused why why they can't go back to the moon easily because they you did it 50 years ago. But anyway, when NASA went to the moon and millions of people were watching NASA go to the moon, do you know how many millions of little boys wanted to become engineers and astronauts after that? Do you know how many millions of children suddenly wanted to be astronauts because they saw uh, some other astronauts go to the moon. See, entertainment makes a difference. It affects what, why is it that I can walk into a classroom and half the little boys want to be NBA players and NFL stars? Well, because of what they see on TV. And then also, why is it that rappers and athletes tend to form these connections, these friendships? Going all the way back to Mike Tyson and Tupac, they used to hang out together. Now you got Jay-Z and, 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 and different NBA, Jay-Z and LeBron, or you have Drake and whatever NBA player he's, he's following around, right? There's a connection between the music and, and sports, right? And it's all sort of overlaps with each other. So ultimately, some of the behavior, like, like why you would get a, a, a $10 million dollars and your decision as to whether or not you're going to go to the club and do something stupid or take that money and invest it in a tech company or go and, and, and continue to work on your degree in engineering, that's all cultural. That That's heavily cultural. And I'm not. But again, this is not an indictment on all NBA players, though. There are some NBA players that are really smart. Let me talk about something positive. There's a guy that plays for the Celtics, Tatum, I believe, who literally said something to his mother like, I, I want you to take all of my money and control all of my money. And then I want you to just give, but, but she gives him money to do whatever he wants. Because when you're making 10, 20 million a year, you can do whatever the hell you want to do. You can go waste $5 million a year, which is a lot of money to waste and still have tons of money invested, tons of money saved. When I read that story about what Tatum was doing, I want to say it was Tatum. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think it was Tatum. He's a great player. Uh, when I read that story, you know what I said to myself? I said, okay, I get it. He's going to be a billionaire. And not only is he going to be a billionaire, but there are going to be several millionaires that are going to come from his family because they're going to be able to be leveraged from the fact that he's literally single handedly using his NBA opportunity to build a family bank. If you've got 50 million dollars in a family fund that anybody can tap into, that's trustworthy, that's 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 on code, that's not going to waste the money that anybody can tap into to get their business off the ground. That means that that smart cousin who would have spent his whole life working for white people can go get that business off the ground that is going to take them $50,000 in seed capital to get moving. Do you understand? Do you know how many black people, smart black people have great ideas and can't ever execute those ideas because they can't even get $10,000? They can't even get their relatives to loan them 20 grand. Do you understand? And do you understand what the cost of that is? The cost of that is slavery. The cost of that is that instead of building a, a family empire that's going to feed dozens of people, they end up basically serving the white man all day. You got to go work for him because you ain't got nothing of your own. You don't have a home base. You, you're economic orphans. So a lot of NBA players, I wish that they would take the time or culturally understand the importance of having people around them, people who think like me, not necessarily me, but I talked to some, I talked to some athletes and I'm, I'm open to talking to them. As long as you want to listen, I'll talk to you. Uh, but, but somebody around them that's able to see what they cannot see. You have court vision. 
but you don't have necessarily as much vision when it comes to the real game, the game of global economics. They have NBA court vision. They can see the court. I can see the world. I can see the economic landscape. And I can look at a John Morant and say, wow, if you simply did what I tell you to do, you could take this money that you have, and this could be turned into something where you are literally providing jobs for 20,000 people in your old hood. Like literally, you could improve the lifestyles of 100,000 people. But you could go endow an entire HBCU and educate 100,000 Black youth over the next 100 years. And and, and so, so what's really um, interesting is that they're not surrounded by people that help them think that way in many cases. Instead, they're surrounded. They got you got Becky over here who only wants to be around your black ass because you got money. She would never date a black guy like you if you were broke. Uh, you got um uh uh you know uh, uh Hosea Rothschild, uh, who is your uh who's your attorney, uh, some some guy who went to Harvard who wouldn't even be talking to your black ass if you weren't able to dunk a basketball. Uh, and he's building wealth for his family, by the way. He's building wealth off of Negroes. He's not He's not spending time at any NBA combines. He didn't have to go through the Adidas, ABC Adidas basketball camp. He didn't have to play. He'd have to be a McDonald's All-American. In fact, he's only five foot six. But guess what? He's going to walk away with wealth. And if you're stupid, you're going to walk away with nothing. He walks away with a generational legacy. He's culturally centered in a way where he's able to take that money, go back to his Jewish community, and they buy an entire apartment buildings. None of their people have to go work for anybody because they've got companies that can sustain them and give them jobs. He's able to take that 10 million and turn it into 100 million because that's what his community is built around. Whereas for yourself, you know, you got a culture that's telling you, unfortunately, not for everybody, but you see what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've got a culture where every time you put black, so-called black music in your ear, it's telling you to take that money and basically like, um, first of all, act like a thug, do something that's going to get you locked up or, or cause you to lose your opportunities, uh, you know, carrying a gun, flashing a gun, whatever, um, uh, encourage you to be as ignorant as possible. Uh, encourages you to uh, to just literally carry on like big wads of cash so you can flex for Instagram and get some sort of ridiculous uh, false validation that maybe your daddy never gave you because you 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 grew up in a strange situation or whatever, uh, or cause you to uh, go to the club and impress people by by like throwing out hundred dollar bills, um, or, or go out and go buy like uh, Louis Louis Vuitton and Gucci bags. Uh, or to whatever, to impress people to show you how much money you have or some sort of $5 million European car. Uh, and While at the same time, the person you're buying the Louis and the Gucci bags from, the person you're buying the Hennessy from, Bernard Arnault, is amassing a $200 billion fortune that he's not, he's not, Bernard Arnault, I studied Bernard Arnault's life. Bernard Arnault's the guy who owns all the luxury brands that black people love to promote. We, we promote the Gucci and the Louis and the, the, the Cartier and the Tiffany and all that stuff. Well, in the Hennessy, well, he owns all of that. And I studied Bernard Arnault's life. He does not spend one minute putting any of his money in stripper thongs. He ain't out here with a mouthful of gold teeth on Instagram trying to flex with a with a handful of money. Uh, he's not doing any of that stuff. You know what he does? You know what Bernard Arnault does with it, uh, in his life? Bernard Arnault meets with his children once a month. And they sit down and they have a business meeting to discuss how they're going to maintain, protect the bag, protect their $200 billion empire, and what the succession plan is going to be for their family when he gets old and passes on. They make 250-year plans for their uh, family empire. 
This is what they do. There ain't no flexing for the gram. Ain't none of this childish stuff, this immature stuff. It's all about planning and execution and discipline and maintaining and protecting everything that the family has built. In this meeting, there are only kings and queens. No clowns are allowed at this meeting. That's what you call being on code. That's what you call being smart. They're sitting there thinking, wow, I can't believe these Negroes over in America love us so much that they're going to make our family rich by promoting all of our luxury items. That, that there are literally people that are so poor that they can't buy real estate, but yet they will go and buy a, 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 a $1,000 bag. However, our family doesn't think that way. We're going to go ahead and make sure that we're protected. So, so ultimately, what I would say to you is that when you talk about wealth, and again, I didn't make this video for John Morant. I made this video for you. And I really want you to understand that a big part of uh, of, of success for a black person in this country is that you got to decide what does black culture really mean to you? Which parts of black culture are you going to embrace and which parts do you leave behind? Well, there are so many elements of our culture that are incredibly unhealthy from the type of food that we're told to eat to the uh, to the way we, we deal with money to the way we deal with relationships and the way we deal with each other. And what I would encourage you to do is to critically analyze that, particularly in the areas of health, wealth, and relationships, and decide which parts of those culture of that culture you're going to embrace and which parts you're just going to walk away from. Unfortunately, in fact, I'll tell you a little bit of my story. When I was in college, uh, I was um, I was on another level academically. I didn't know that I was smart. I didn't know. I would never made good grades before. I only did it because I had a baby and I had to find some way to take care of my baby. So I figured studying hard would, would do that. But I but I was doing better than I thought I would. I had the highest grade point average of all the black students on the entire University of Kentucky campus. Uh, I mean, like I was on a whole nother level. Like I never had a competitor the entire four years I was there. Nobody was even close to me. And what I noticed was that a big part of what uh, what, what what allowed me to excel was that I did not care about fitting in with any fucking body. I did not care about fitting in with the fraternities. I wasn't trying to fit in with the, with the other dudes. I wasn't trying to fit in with just to impress some girl. I didn't care. I knew I was kind of a nerd. I was kind of a, a an outcast. White people didn't like me. Black people didn't like me that much. I, but I had friends that were white. I had friends that were black. I was just me. I had that freedom of just being me. And the version of me that came out was a version that studied five hours a day. Well, there was nobody I knew that was black on my campus who would go to the library with me at 1030 at night on a Saturday. I would go there and see a bunch of Chinese kids. The other black people would be at the step show. So I, I would look at that culture and say, no wonder your grades are in the toilet. You at the step shows. You're getting drunk every Thursday. You won't, you only study twice a month. How in the hell are you going to be successful at a high level when your culture is breeding all kinds of mediocrity? So I had to, and it was very awkward. You know, it's very awkward because, you know, people will say, oh, you uppity or you don't, you don't, you ain't really black. I don't give a shit. I, I was like, I want to win. I want to succeed. And success, here's what y'all live over here. Success is over there. I'm going over to where success is at. And I don't care. Y'all, if y'all want to come with me, come on, I'll show you. I'll take you with me because I, I want to have some friends. But if y'all ain't coming, I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to fight you. And I'm not going to hang out with you. I'm not going to sit around. Uh, you know, I had a fraternity. There was a guy from a fraternity. Literally, he was a cute dog. And on my campus, they had some terrible cute dogs. Now, now, if you are an Omega man, congratulations. I respect you. But if you were the cute dog, y'all know the difference. There's cute dogs and there's Omega men. These guys were just alcoholics and just all of a And I remember they got, the one guy got so mad that he wanted to beat me up. Because at first, I wanted to be a cute because my roommate was a cute. But then I sat there and I looked at them and I said, all of y'all are alcoholics and none of y'all study 
and you have sex with every girl that walks by. You're going to catch AIDS like that. I don't want to, I don't want to do it. My father taught me a long time ago that people who do dumb shit end up in dumb situations. I don't think that's a complicated analysis. That's not calculus. That's not, you know, high level physics. That's one plus one is always going to be two, even if the white man told you that it's supposed to be 145. I said, if I'm a black man who does who does dumb things, I'm going to end up with a lot of dumb problems. So I said, I don't want to pledge. I'm sorry. I, I respect you guys, but I don't I don't know. That's not my thing. And this guy got so mad at me. He was a football player. He was really big. I'll never forget it. And he was going to beat me up because I didn't want to be a cute. I did not understand that. I'm like, why do you care? Just go find somebody who's cool. Find one of the cool guys. Let them join. I'm not even cool. Like, why do you want me? And, and I know what they, they wanted me because I had the highest grade point average on the campus because all their grades were garbage. But I And I remember I said to him when I was 19 years old, I'm very proud of this speech, even though it almost got my ass kicked that day. But I said to him, I said, you know what? I said, one day. I'm going to be successful. One day I'm going to have some money. And a guy just like you who blew every opportunity is going to get mad at me because I have money and he doesn't. I said, but you are on the football team. They treat you good. They give you money. You get free food. I got to hustle for everything I get. They, they, they damn near, I damn near had to drop out and get, I had to work two jobs just to stay on campus. And I'm making straight A's having to work two jobs just to be on campus. You on the football team, they're treating you good. And you got all this opportunity to create whatever life you want. And all you do is, is wasted. All you do is wasted. And I remember I said that to him and, uh, and I thought he was going to beat me up. But the, I remember thinking to myself that football players, if they get in a fight, they get kicked off the team. So I thought that might protect me. But I was really kind of nervous, to be honest with you. But sometimes my mouth starts talking and, I, and, I, and, and then my brain catches up later with the consequences. But, but, I, but I just said it. And I'll never forget that conversation. Because the thing about it is that we, got, we know racism is out here. We know white people do bad things to us. We know America kind of sucks, you know, in terms of how black people are treated. But you got to take accountability for your choices, man. You can't put everything on somebody else all the time. At some point, you got to look in the mirror as a man and say, well, what part of this situation could I have uh, could I have 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 influenced? What part of this messed up scenario that I'm in uh, did I play some part in? And if, and if you don't do that, then you're going to always be a victim. There's nothing more emasculating for a black man than to always be a victim, than to always sit around and talk about how how you can't have anything because white the white man won't let you, or it, you you can't feed your kids because the white man won't let you. And you know what? <laughs> I'm sorry, black women, but if you are around a man who talks like that, don't date that man. Go either get a better black man or just go date a white guy. I mean, seriously, you, that's what you're doing. You're telling your your black woman, like, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really the, the leader here. I'm not really the alpha. I'm the beta. I'm the subordinate. He's my boss. He's the one who's going to control all of this. So at some point she's going to be like, well, why did I just cut out the middle man? I just might as well go get with him. And, and so, so I'm not saying that that's my choice. I mean, I wanted to marry a black woman, but at the end of the day, black man, you can't, you cannot be a man, in my opinion, and refuse to take accountability for the outcomes that exist in your life. At some point, you have to realize that even when the odds are stacked against you and things are not fair, you're still going to have to fight as hard as you can. And I believe that a good woman will respect that. They will respect you if you fight. So even if you are a bus driver, 
if you're fighting to be the best bus driver and you're fighting to build some wealth off of driving a bus, a a lot of black women will respect that. Some black women, maybe they want to date the guy who owns the bus company, and that's okay. There's a lot more competition because the guy who owns the bus company, he's going to have a whole lot more women you got to compete with. But maybe you have it like that. Maybe you can be the one who wins that lottery. So so I I can just say, you know, at the end of the day, people can do whatever they want to do. But you got to You have to take accountability and you got to pick teammates who are going to do the same thing. When I talk about teammates, I'm talking about relationships. So anyway, um, I'm going to I don't want to over talk this. So I'm going to start going ahead and closing down here. Um, Do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. I have one more thing I want to share real quick before we bounce out. Hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, share, subscribe. Uh, I want to remind you, uh, again, this podcast is on Spotify. So if you look up Boyce Watkins on Spotify, you'll find uh, the Dr. Boyce Breakdown on Spotify. So feel free to take a look at that. Also, if you want to teach your kids about wealth in the Black Business School, we've developed uh, financial flashcards uh, for kids. So if you want to take a look at that, feel free to go to financialflashcards.com. All right. So so let's let's kind of summarize so we could talk about what 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 really what's really occurring here. Again, I'm not really talking to John Morant. He can do whatever he wants. You know, I, I I feel bad for the guy because apparently he's getting some bad advice from some people that don't really care that much about him because he's he's literally going to throw away a billion dollars. If you really calculate how much money he would have if he were to invest even a fraction, a tiny fraction of that money, it's well over a billion dollars, like in the several billions. Uh, the, 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 the key point I want to make here is that, uh, number one, wealth is very cultural. So if you have a culture, if you build a culture in your family, I talk about it in my book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. Have your kids memorize those Ten Commandments. That's how you build a wealth building culture. And so and the book's on Amazon, by the way, if you want to take a look. So right now, the culture around job, the culture that makes him want to flex for the gram, pull out guns and show off or or if he was high or drunk or something like that when he did that video, even that's part of the culture. Right. Because there are some cultures where they say that if you're a smart man and you want to be successful, you don't do those things. Shaquille O'Neal, when he went on the show Drink Champs, uh, he went on that show Drink Champs. And he said they, they offered him a drink. Everybody goes on that show and they get drunk. And I don't know if y'all know how this show operates, but that's what they do. Everybody gets on the show and they drink. And sometimes they drink a lot. Well, Shaquille O'Neal said on Drink Champs, if you remember, he said uh, they, they all, when they offered him liquor, he said, uh, I'm not going to risk my mother's empire by uh, getting drunk in public. And because he understands somebody, I think it was his military father. I had a military father too. That's a that's an advantage that we have. Uh, his father probably explained to him and his mother that drunks blow the bag. That when you get high and drunk, I know they the culture tells you everybody's supposed to be lit, everybody's supposed to be smoking, drinking, popping pills, all that. That's all designed to make it easy for them to kill you or enslave you. Because if I am a soldier and I want to take down the opposing army and I can get them to all get high and drunk then you're making the battle easy for me. It's easy for me to kill a black man who's high and drunk all the time, right? So effectively, the way the music, I don't, I would not doubt that there was some sort of effort to promote alcohol and drugs to young black men in hip hop music because when you're high and drunk all the time, you don't know what the hell you're doing. You make bad decisions. The prisons and the morgues are filled with men and women who made terrible decisions while they were high and drunk. And I know that a lot of people don't say it. I don't understand why this isn't a more popular message. I do not get this. To me, this is one plus one is two, but maybe because maybe for some people, they just don't see it. But literally, so I'm sitting here thinking, if he's on Instagram flashing a gun, knowing that flashing a gun is going to cost him his $38 million contract with the Grizzlies, I'm sitting here thinking, on what planet does that make any sense? 
oh, that's right. When you're high or when you're drunk, it kind of makes you into Superman. You kind of forget about the consequences. Alcohol and drugs release your inhibitions. So ultimately, a lot of wealth is very cultural. Uh, the culture that led to these choices is a culture that you want to walk away from. You want to sort of talk to your kids about this. Maybe let them listen to this video so that they can understand that the culture and the mindset are just as important as the opportunities when it comes to wealth. A person with bad culture and bad mindset could be given every opportunity on earth and they will blow the bag every damn time. John Morant is a good example of how you can take a, a certain mindset and give them all the money in the world, and they'll still find some way to take themselves back to poverty or destroy that wealth that's been created. Um, also, uh, the, the other thing, too, is that NBA players uh, and NFL players, uh, what I would encourage you to do, anybody who's connected to somebody who plays in the league or is an entertainer or whatever, uh, and I say it every chance I get, I really need y'all to understand just how much wealth how much black wealth you have in your power that you could really be doing amazing things with. I, I know sometimes, especially when you're young, you think that all you got is what you got. You know, you, you don't understand the, uh, the divine power of masculinity to manifest things that are much bigger than you. You know, it, it has to come with a mindset. You have to be taught this when you're very young. A lot of our boys, maybe they didn't have a father. They never had a, some, a strong male that led them. Uh, and strong women exist too. We know black women are strong, but there's something about that strong father figure that really resonates with boys. And, uh, and because ultimately, in order for you to really be a king, you have to have been around somebody who's also a king maker. And, uh, and so what, what my point is on this is that what I'm looking forward to is I'm waiting for the day when a small group of, of, of NBA players get together and say, hey, wait a minute. I'm, I'm going to make 30 million this year. You're going to make 30. He's going to make 30. She's going to make 30. And on top of that, we have all of our friends added together are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars. We all have uh, millions of followers on Instagram. And uh, so, so that right there is economic value too. Uh, why don't we all go hire some experts? Again, you don't have to be the expert, right? You just go get people. There are smart people in your community that love the community, that, that, that have all the genius ideas on the planet. They just don't have the resources. You got the money. They got the mindset. And, and go hire them and say, okay, we're going to raise half a billion dollars uh, to develop a school system. Or we're going to raise half a billion dollars to create as many jobs as we can. And, and at the end of the day, it's not charity. It's not us giving away that money. It, it's not even, it may not even be your money. It is a profitable for everybody. You can, you can elevate the whole hood and still make a profit. Elon Musk creates a million jobs and still makes a profit. Elon Musk ain't in the nonprofit business, but he creates a million jobs. Jeff Bezos created a million jobs and still makes a profit. So what I'm saying to you is that this idea that the black community is is a charity case where it's like, oh, I got to go and pay my cousin's rent and send money to Big Mama and, and uh, help Aunt Lucy, you know, buy a new car. Like the fact that you see the black community as a charity case, somebody taught that to you. And that's simply not true. The black community is a, an extraordinarily investable asset and, and investable in such a way that not only would you not lose money, but you would make money but you have to have people around you that can help you see that vision. 
And you have to have some commitment to, to following through on that, even without using your own money. You know, there, there are bankers that an NBA star might be able to talk, and corporations an NBA star can connect with that a regular black guy who doesn't dribble a basketball can't connect with. But he might have all the intelligence because intelligent black people don't really get the resources in this country. They hide them. The, the ones who get the resources are the entertainers, the athletes and the rappers and everything else. And unfortunately, many of them just don't have the right mindset. So the, the best plays I've seen is when Ice Cube said, wait a minute, I'm, I'm one of the most well-known rappers on earth. I have a massive platform, um, but I don't understand every single thing about the politics and the economics of my community. So you know what Cube did that I thought was brilliant? Cube started connecting with scholars and thinkers who didn't have the platform. And taking their ideas and putting them on his platform. He said, get, help me understand this. Let's make a plan. And then, then next thing you know, you get the contract of Black America. I talked to Ice Cube extensively when he was doing that. And I said, I'm so proud of you for the way you're doing this. You're not assuming that you know all the answers. That, that's the mistake Kanye makes. Kanye, unfortunately, his arrogance makes him think he knows all the answers. That's why I don't talk to Kanye anymore. But Ice Cube, I enjoy talking to because he understands the strategy of teamwork. He says, you alley-oop me the ball, I'm going to dunk it. And that led to one of the most significant political movements in the history of this country. Do you understand how, how powerful it was? Uh, another person that, that did this that I really liked was Charlemagne the God. Charlemagne the God went into, he goes into spaces that people like me don't go. But I talked to him before he interviewed the president. And I said, well, I think you should ask him about this and this and this. Charlemagne took the ball and he went and he dunked it. Next thing you know, Joe Biden is frazzled. Why? Well, because he's thinking, damn, I'm thinking I'm going to be talking to a dumbass entertainer. I'm going to talk. I thought I was talking to somebody who was going to give me a softball conversation. Instead, Charlemagne asked him questions that the community wanted to ask that they will never get to ask him because they don't talk to intelligent black people. So what I think that these, these uh, NBA athletes should do, and I'm only talking about the ones that care about the black community. Look at all the resources you have. Look at all the rooms you're walking in. You're around all these rich white and Jewish people who want to be your friend. Well, I would tell them all, if you want to be my friend, you need to support this thing I'm, I'm doing over here. That's going to create jobs in my community. Not not just charity, not just more community centers and basketball courts. and I mean, we got all that. I'm talking about industry. OK, Bank of America, uh, you brought me in to speak because I won, a, I won the NBA finals last year. Well, uh, you know what? We could be better friends if I can get you to support to write a, a 50 million dollar check to help with this invest investment fund I've created where I've got, you know, just like, just like John Morant shows up to basketball games with his, with his gangster friends in the back and his thug friends in the back, or you got your entourage, get a smart ass entourage, get you an entourage full of lawyers, black lawyers, black doctors, black scientists, black school teachers, intelligent black people, and give them access to resources so they can implement visions that, that where you, you're off, you're playing basketball, you're making your money, you're fine, you're not doing any charity. But while you're doing that, they're in the background quietly building an empire that is not just going to create hundreds, if not thousands of jobs for other black people, but it's going to create institutions in the black community that are going to last for the next several hundred years. You just need visionaries in your camp that can see beyond the next NBA season. You need people that are going to understand that this ain't just about basketball no more. 
This is about generational wealth on an epic level, on an unbelievable level. This is about creating and positioning the next generation to own the entire league, to own the entire team, to have a level of economic power that this can, that, that we can only dream about right now. So, so I would say, if I if I'm talking to a young NBA star and they are listening and they respect the advice of 51 year old black men with PhDs and they'll listen to me more than they'll listen to that little old Jewish man trying to rape you of all your money. I would just say to them, surround yourself with some economic gangsters that are really that you trust and, and help them get access to all the capital that is around you. I'm not even talking about the money in your bank account. I'm talking about the connections, the corporations you're connected to. I'm talking about all the white people that want to claim that Black Lives Matter, make them write a damn check. I'm talking about that 20 million, those 10, 20 million people that follow you on Instagram and Facebook. That's a media outlet. You you do understand you could start an entire sports league and broadcast the games on Instagram or Twitter and literally make that make $100 million a year doing that. That does, those sorts of things do happen. Tucker Carlson, who just left Fox News, is going to start his next show on Twitter. So you can have a sports league when you broadcast the games on Twitter if the accounts are big enough that are supporting supporting the league, right? You can do these things, but you have to have people around you who understand how to do that. And you have to give them access to the resources to implement the vision. Stop doing tiny, tiny stuff. You know, let's, like T.I. had a song. I'm going to end on this. I'm going to be done. T.I. had a song. Um, was it big shit popping and little shit stopping? One of the problems that we have, I think, is that sometimes we get in the habit of doing lots of little things very well. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll do little things like I bought my mama a house. You know, I um I paid my cousin's rent. I got myself a, a Bugatti. Like that's tiny. That's little. That's little shit. That's that, that that's not significant at all. Um, I'm looking for people that are ready to do something big. And uh, and the thing is that when you get that rare opportunity where you're signing this crazy contract with all this money, it, but, but, but the more valuable part of your life is not the money. The more valuable part of your life is the status and the platform that you have. The fact that you have 10 million followers on Instagram, that right there is worth $100 million for somebody who knows how to monetize it properly. Uh, the fact that you have Corporate, you could walk into rooms at corporations that are literally sitting. You could go into JP Morgan that's sitting on two or three trillion dollars in capital and say to them, Hey, I would like for you to invest, you know, 50 million in this initiative we've created with our economic scientists who are going to create jobs in the black community. Like you can do those things. Regular black people can't do that, even the smart ones. You know, it, 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 because white folks don't love us like that. I, I, I'm not that guy. You know, and so so I would just say that in general, when I see what happens with, with John Morant and he's throwing away a billion dollars on thug culture, you've seen it happen a lot. Every generation, there's somebody who didn't get the right guidance, who blows an opportunity. And I'm hoping that generational curse gets broken. But I think at the very end uh, of all this, though, the good part is that he's giving you a live masterclass on exactly what not to do. So what I'm hoping is that there are going to be people that are going to watch this happen and say, oh my God, this is terrible. And they're going to learn. And then some of those uh, individuals are going to have sons who are six foot five, six foot six, who are going to go to the NBA, who are hundred percent black first, 
who are going to who are going to say, look, I'm not going to do what he did. Here's what I'm going to do. And they're surrounded by economic gangsters that can really help them uh, maximize the power of your economic opportunity. Turn that hundred million into a billion, turn that billion into 10 billion and really go out here and change things on a high systematic level. As opposed to what you already get, what you get now is you get a ton of dumbass symbolism. You get a ton of Negroes on TV being marketed to you where you got your kids investing their whole entire life where 10,000 black boys are trying to get one job. It's it's not a working model. It's a complete failure. And then that's why you turn around and that same guy who went to the NBA and made $100 million comes back to his old hood. And sees the same shit that he saw before he became successful. If, if, if the people around you are not better off because of your success, then you have not succeeded as a man or as a king. The goal of a king, the goal of a real man is to say, when I die, the people that are affiliated with me are better off because I was here. That is literally my number one goal as a human being. When I go to, when I, if I die tomorrow, I can say that there will be thousands and thousands of people who would come to the funeral or watch it on the internet and say, my life is better because Dr. Boyce was here. And that right there is what I've been aiming for the entire time. So I'm not going to over talk this. I'm kind of done. I've I've talked longer than I thought. And I think that the reason I went on is because I need y'all to understand the gravity of the opportunity that's being lost. And what they're doing to your sons. And and I wish John Morant the very best. Once again, he's from Kentucky. I'm from Kentucky. If he ever called me, I I promise you I'm not trying to be judgmental. I might sound harsh, but I'm not trying to be mean or judgmental. Uh, I respect what he's doing with his life. But at the same time, I, I really, really wish that he would understand what he's giving up. And then also, again, I didn't really do this video, though, for him. I did it for you. So let's study this. Let's think about this. Let's process this. And remember, wealth is cultural. So anyway, I'm going to head on out. Hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, share, subscribe. My new book actually is called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. It's on Amazon. It's a bestseller. I hope you'll go take a look at the book. Uh, Also, I'll be in Dallas May 19th. We're doing a Black Wealth Summit. It's going to be two days. We're going to have a training camp. We're going to have a lot of networking. We're going to do exercises on developing economies within your family. Uh, These are models that don't exist anywhere else. These are things. As a professor, you are qualified to develop economic models that are not in any textbook. So I created all this just for the black community. So if you'd like to join us in Dallas, just go to boycewalkins.com. The information is there. And if you can't come to Dallas, that's fine. Uh, On my website, there's a training called How to Make Money Without Working. Uh, Feel free to go take a look at that. And if you want to get text alerts, you can text the word voice to 31996, and I can text you when I go live. So God bless you. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you, and I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Peace. Here we are, clan, the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money and the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn it to intelligence. Believe none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Here we are.